Eagles 33, Giants 25. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And hey, the Giants, I think the Giants' key to keeping it close with the Eagles is just playing backup quarterbacks, whether it's Davis Webb, Tommy DeVito, or Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Giants, Giants had a chance at the end. Justin, we'll get into it all. Um, how you doing? I'm doing good. Bobby Skinner, doing good. Recording this a little bit later than I think we both want to, just because this game was wonky and wacky. Wonky and wacky. Uh, happy Monday to you. Um, I hope everybody had a great day with their families on this normal, normal Monday. How are you? A little frustrated, right, because of this quarterback thing, which I want to talk about the dynamic of that. Um, and not necessarily like a DeVito versus Taylor, because to me, that's not even a debate. It's just like how this quarterback thing has been handled and how I think benching DeVito changes the way I look at some things. Um, do you want to talk about the referees at the top? Yeah. Right. Cause I don't want to get, cause that, that I was, I was like, there were some big time moments where the referees just Made some wild calls in this game, right? Like the JMS false start where it's like, what is, what is going on there? Start. You saw JMS going like, what the hell are they talking about? What, what in God's green earth are they talking about? And then the end of the half, you know, Jalen Hurts, although it's not, it wasn't a fumble, his knee was down, did put the ball on the ground and they call a delay a game. Like that, there's no chance that that ball is getting snapped, right? That should have been three points off the board versus Eagles. And then the end of the game, uh, you know, before the Hail Mary, Darren Waller catches that pass, Justin. He's hurt, but the ball gets into the referee's hand, and he's just standing there on the sideline doing nothing, just doing nothing until Saquon finally rips the ball out of his hands and, and sprints to, you know, set it down for the other referee. If Saquon does not rip the ball out of a referee's hands, they don't get a snap off on a ball that was, you know, on a play that was done at like 18 seconds left. Yeah, so Darren Waller catch. I, I, I think – Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the Darren Waller catch on that fourth down to put the Giants, you know, kind of close to the red zone. That's the sequence of events that cost the Giants the most. Um, you know, Karakai only resulted in a field goal. The Giants were either going to be down by eight or they were going to be down by five. They're, they would have needed a touchdown r- regardless uh, of that Okarakai outcome. But even with the Okarakai outcome in the first half, I think the refs have to know that. Like, Bobby Okereke's intent there is to pick up the ball if it's a fumble, not to pick up the ball to end the half. Uh, I, I think they have to understand intent there, but they clearly didn't, and that was that was bullshit. But Darren Waller catches the ball with 17 seconds left, and I made a whole video on this. Darren Waller catches the ball with 17 seconds left. He's hurt, little dazed, a little confused, little, getting up a little slow, but still gets up and hands the ball to the referee that's closest to him, with 13 seconds left. Now, there's also, you have a ball boy. You know, one of those ball boys that has the, the orange X on their on their shirts. You know, he's coming off the sideline, literally saying, I have a ball, I have a ball, I have a ball. The official is holding another football. The official that's closest to the sideline is just holding a football, standing there doing absolutely freaking nothing. The official that is on the field that's ready to spot the ball is standing there being like, I'm ready for a football, don't have anything. And then Saquon Barkley, that's when he rips the football out of the official by the sideline's hands. Saquon Barkley brings that ball to the official, spots it, ball spike with three seconds left. 
that process took 14 seconds when, you know, maybe it should have taken six or seven. So that's, you know, another play that the Giants could have run to possibly get closer to the end zone to have a shot at the end of the game. And if Saquon Barkley, you pointed this out, if Saquon Barkley doesn't grab that ball from the official's hands, the Giants don't even get that last play of the game off. So great IQ play by him. Yeah, just wild. Now, I think if the fourth down JMS thing is probably the Probably the biggest difference maker because that was a drive ender right there, but just like three crucial calls. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on referees. I want to talk and about Barkley this game. did flop the final play of the game. Oh yeah, Tyrod was complaining about like pass interference. There was no pass interference. He it, was, it's it was, smart by him because you never know. Um, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's again so two two smart IQ plays by by Barkley back to back because you never know if the officials are gonna are gonna are gonna call that. But um yeah, he he definitely flopped and it you know, it, I think the Giants were gonna lose and they definitely got outplayed in like every facet of this game, but you know, again, sucks that a game ends like that. Yeah, so officials let's talk about Yeah, let's let's talk about the, the quarterback situation right now right because you know Tyro Tommy DeVito was chosen over Tyrod Taylor for the Packers game right we talked about it at great length uh and you know a talking point I was very in favor of starting Tyrod Taylor right I think he's the much better player and I I I don't think I I know that Tyrod Taylor to me is a better player than Tommy DeVito and I think that gap is wider than people really want to give it credit for right but they went with Tommy DeVito, right? The young guy, want to see what we have in him. I'm okay with it. You know, he played, uh, had his best game versus the Packers, obviously. Um, and then they didn't do anything on offense versus the Saints, but I don't watch that film and look at Tommy DeVito as like, oh, this is, this guy's just trash, right? Like I thought like he actually played some real quarterback in that game, just didn't get the turnovers on defense. Um, but the take I had is before, even before the Packers game, Justin is like, okay, you've made this decision. Like, you've decided, like, move on in the future, see what you got. Play him. Play him. Do not pull him. Do not take take away his confidence. Let him go out there and actually play quarterback and not just try and survive because you're forced to play him. You make this decision over Tyrod Taylor, play him. And it seemed like Brian Dable benched him at the first real chance that he got, right? Like, named him the starter to, uh, after the Saints game, immediately, like, no, I'm not even looking at the tape. You know, got to look at the tape. I'm not looking at the tape. Nope. Says he's earned it. And then after one half of football, is just just pulled the plug on him, right? And I know he, he did pull the plug on him for a better quarterback, but he was a better quarterback before that game, before the Packers game and all. So I, I just – it does not make sense to me if you – like, and here's where I'm going to say is to me it shows – that you did this because of fan pressure, because of the Tommy DeVito, they won two games, blah, blah, blah. That That's why. It was fan pressure because they had won two games in a row. And you never truly cared about developing this quarterback. Because if you did, there's no reason you would have pulled him in one half versus the Philadelphia Eagles. If you actually cared about developing Tommy DeVito and seeing what you have in him, you would have not benched him. You know, I think they could still care about developing him but the ceiling is now like i think and, and this is what we've always believed but there were i think there was a lot of people out there that believed that oh you could be a qb2 you could be the backup for daniel jones next year if they don't want to draft the quarterback 
I, I still think that they want to develop him, but it's as a practice squad quarterback three. It's not as a guy on the 53, or if you are a guy on the 53, then I think it'd be a waste of a spot as QB three and definitely not a QB two. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I, I think they still want to develop him, but just not as this backup, as the backup on the I'm, New York football giants. I'm sure they, of course they want to develop him, but they've never looked at him as a real option if they pull him that no. early. Like, you can, like, I, I've heard and all they the arguments. That. They 100%, like, by this, with this move and this decision, they're like, all right, well, we didn't, we never viewed you as all, most of the fan base did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've heard all the arguments, right? Uh, well, Bobby, they were riding the hot hand. Bullshit, they were riding the hot hand. They scored 10 points in the game before they made the decision off of three turnovers. They had a field goal drive off of an eight-yard eight drive and then a touchdown on a drive where it ended up being a 26-yard drive coming off an interception. The two plays that led to the touchdown was a third and long where you threw it to Jalen Heifer, drag You're talking about the Patriots yet. game? Yeah, the Patriots game. Where they were also a field goal away in regulation from tying the game going to overtime? Well, and again, the one touchdown drive were two really great yak plays from Jalen Hyde and Isaiah Hodgins. Those were both third and longs, and those guys, you know, went above, you know, the X's and O's to make plays and, and get them on that touchdown. Uh, it's like, well, look at the whole body of work. He was 41st of 41 QP, QBs at EPA, an EPA per play at the moment. To me, it was folding to a fan base that was blinded by a win, that was blinded by two wins in a row and how exciting that was. It's totally blind about it. If, if it's about seeing what you have in Tommy DeVito letting him grow, well, he played well versus the Packers, and he played actual QB in the Saints game despite only six points. So you just shot at any chance of confidence and development. Like he played better quarterback in the Saints game than he did the Patriots. So you benched him after declaring him the starter and saying he earned it after the Saints game. Was one bad half of football enough to say, fuck this kid's development? Or did you really never care that much about his development? Say so it's well the argument well Devito was going to be the QB who was here Tyrod Taylor's not De- Devito was going to be here next year for sure are the are you sure that the Giants who have carried two QBs under Brian Dable are dead set on carrying three QBs next year because that's what it will take to keep him on another team from scooping him up if he's any good so you played the worst QB and you told your locker room who knew you were full of shit that right. When you said, "Oh, he, yep, he's better off," the locker room knew you were full of his shit, and I got like the lock, and I kind of have that on good authority that the locker room wanted Tyrod Taylor to be played, and then you bench him the first chance you got. So that tells me it doesn't matter, uh, and who cares? But it matters. You could say, "Who cares?" Right? Oh, who cares about these two QBs? But it does matter to the guys in the locker rooms, and it matters that Dable and decision makers gave in to people who were having fun doing a pinch finger celebration. You wouldn't have benched him if you actually thought that there was any anything to see, and you wouldn't have coached him deathly afraid of throwing an interception, right? If it was truly about seeing what you had in Tommy DeVito, they they coached him deathly, af- and it showed up in this game. They he was deathly afraid of throwing an interception. That's why, like, oh, quick game. It should be like a, a backup QB's best friend. Tommy DeVito was deathly afraid to run any fucking quick game because that meant trusting your timing and trusting your eyes on quick uh quick throws, and he had none because the co- the coaches. And still, do not throw an interception. Deeper interception, which I'm fine of coaching DeVito that way, but don't start him over Tyrod Taylor and tell me he's the best option and lie to your fucking locker room's face if that's the, if that's the way you view him. Oh, he was lying for weeks. That, you know, I, now here's the thing. I don't care about him lying to the media or, or fans, but lying to your locker room is what bothers me. And that's right. why I, I was 
with it. But hey, you can get under the guise of, hey, this is the younger player. We want to see what we have on him. We want some games. That's fine, but you don't pull the trigger because now you, you you ruined his confidence. You can't put him back in now. No, no. You can't put him back. Like if it was truly about his development, you would have actually gave him some confidence. Like, hey, if you have some fuck ups, we're not going to pull the plug on you. We're going to let you, uh, you know, get through some of your struggles. You think you think Devito's done? I I actually think that there's a chance that he could start again. I, I don't know. I, I don't really care about speculating on that. But how how do you do that though? After Tyrod Taylor was like clearly better. I mean, you know, if you look in this game, he was better. Tyrod Taylor, you know, uh, on 18 plays where he either passed or ran or was sacked, 18 plays for 153 yards, eight and a half yards per play. With Devito, 18 plays as well, 58 yards, 3.2 yards per play, almost almost three times as many yards per play. You know. Uh, Saquon was a little better, uh, with, with him, you know, but not, not marginally better. Uh, but, you know, 3.2 total yards per play with DeVito, 6.9 yards with Tyrod. And let's not forget that Tyrod was a scout team QB this week. Tyrod didn't get the game plan versus the Eagles. And you saw on that end of the game drive, they started just spamming that sale concept, right? Um, so. To me, like, and, and you look at just the way they played. DeVito had the lowest average depth of target in the NFL this week at 1.1 yards. Wasn't that like the one thing about DeVito? Oh, at least he tries to push the ball down the field. Not in this game. It's been gone. It's been gone since the Packers game. It's been gone. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor's longest uh, had the longest average depth of target of 15.7 yards. Now, I'm not saying Tyrod's great. Tyrod missed on some plays. Yeah, there were two huge. There were two huge misses that he had to. Waller and then even Wandale on that final drive. Wandale, but dropped. Wandale had a big drop. The you Wandale know the following the play, next on. play. Um, but that I mean that that miss to Waller was a touchdown where he's rolling out to his left. And I mean that's just a that's just a pitch and catch where you know Tyrod's that, that is a hit tougher that, throw but, than like t- like I think he's got to hit that. You know. Yeah, dude, that I mean, you got Reddick in your wide open. He's wide ass open. Yeah, he's got to make that throw. But again, we're again we're talking about a backup QB. Yeah, and also there's um, way there's way more to. So this is what I really want to do. I, n- number one, I don't have the energy anymore to like uh, do, do this. Like I, it, the the season is almost. There's two games left. But it doesn't bother you that the it's I don't it give it does I, bother it's, me. It's, it, it, it's it not about me. Tyrod versus Devito. It's about that the coaching and the and the coach the yes they. They folded under fan pressure. Yeah, it it, it does bother me, but ho- hopefully, like my thinking is, my my brain has moved on to the off season and, and finding a possible QB one for the Giants, where this will never be an issue ever again. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so too. But that's that's like where my does, brain it, is. It, it, is doesn't, it doesn't. But here, the Saquon Barkley decision, right? It doesn't worry you with that. I think that's more of a Joe Shane thing than a. Dable thing. But you don't think like this DeVito thing was like that wasn't just a brand Dable like that was a that's a that's a top down type of decision. Yeah, they of, usually like, we we know we know that they make that Dable and Shane are close enough that they make these decisions together. Like um, th- that that does like that absolutely right, so works. So right? It's here's not my thing. biggest play, fear. Like, I'll play I'm devil's like, advocate. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. The season's done, the season's washed, right? The season has been done and it's been washed for a long time, even before Tommy DeVito took over as quarterback. We had the we had the fun, you know, hey, where guess what? If we if we beat the Saints last week, I'm going to this game in Philadelphia and I'm like saying, like, oh, holy shit, like the season is quote unquote alive, even though it's like not, right? You know, we all we all were having fun with it. But I think they're I'm gonna again, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm not even saying I think this, but 
I think their mindset is, and again, you have, a, but you're right, where you have a locker room of 52, 52 other guys. You have a defensive guys. coordinator where there's issues with. I know, I know. But we're going to talk it, about the defense, Wink Martindale's quotes to Pam Oliver later. Like, you don't think that shit matters? This, this, Anyone saying it doesn't matter is full of shit and trying to, and is honestly just a little pissy because the DeVito thing fell apart. But do you know where I'm going? Do you know where I'm going, though? Where you have Tyron Taylor, who they've acknowledged that he's on an expiring contract and yes but leave devito in then right that's right. why i said you made your decision right. leave him in my my I, like yes was did i want tyrod to start when he came back absolutely but once you 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 like i was shocked that that tyrod taylor was in for the second half i was i did not even think of that as a possibility going into halftime i was shocked to see him yeah. in at quarterback coming out of the half so i think that like you compared it to the saquon barkley situation I think for the more important decisions that face the franchise, I think they will take more of a different approach as to this where the season's over and it's like, why not just see what the hell you got in this kid? Because it doesn't really matter anyway. They knew what they had, Justin. They they watch these guys every day. The the see what we got is is what people say from the outside looking in. Right. I always remember Pat Shermer when they fucking put Kyle Lilletta and he went 0 for 5. Like, did you guys see what you needed to see? <laughs> like, they, they know what they have in Tommy DeVito. You see the way that they coach him. They know what they have. The yeah. idea, like, oh, we'll see what we got. Like, let's, like, they always knew what they had in him. And that's the thing that frustrates yeah. me. Now we all know. And, and, and now we all know. So that's, I, I'm hoping that, again, I'm hoping, I, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready for this to be over. Um, but they they certainly brought up brought back up the old feelings that we had a couple weeks ago, saying I think I think this other guy's better. Like cl- close your eyes, Bobby. We've been playing some uh we've been playing some trivia shows on JM Football about like oh get, you know guess the player and in wh- which player is better in this category, right? So so close your eyes. Um, uh, one, uh, there's one player that's Tommy DeVito. There's one player that's Tyrod Taylor. You have one player who has been a veteran for a very, very long time, has started in a lot of different systems and a lot of different schemes. One of those systems and teams was for the was for the the head coach of the New York Football Giants, where it was his scheme and his offense. Um, the other guy uh, is an undrafted free agent with a little upside, takes a lot of sacks, a shit ton of sacks, um, takes more sacks than the guy that usually takes a lot of sacks and Tyrod Taylor. Um, and says, doesn't have a lot of upside right now, but is fun and from New Jersey. Um, which, which player would you take the, the veteran, the veterans vet or, or the UDFA with the fun story? Like, you know, close your eyes and like, who would you realistically pick as like the guy that gives you the best chance to win? And that was the case a couple weeks ago, but obviously Brian, which guy would Darius Slayton and Saquon Barkley pick, which guy would Wink Martindale pick? Yeah, they, they they chose to to bring back up. They chose to bring this argument back up. And again, I, I really don't have the, the, the energy nor the desire to really do it anymore, man. (laughs) And again, it's not, it's not like, Oh shit. No, maybe the, maybe they're not the right guys for the job, but that, that, that does that, this situation plays into my brain and, and future situations. So, yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't. I hope it's just this one little thing, and maybe they. Oh, we don't. We don't really view that this matters all that much because we don't have a solution for quarterback on the roster right now. So we'll just ride with the vibes. Literally was. Literally, I'm hoping that that was their reasoning, and they will not do that for other other roster decisions, like Saquon Barkley. Riding the hot hand. 
Uh, let's talk about something. Let's talk about something, guys. Let's talk about Waterboy. Let's talk about Tommy DeVito's future job. That was mean. With uh, with with the the holidays here, our sponsor Waterboy is here to help you prepare for those nasty hangovers. There's nothing worse than feeling like uh, a dirty old Jim Carrey uh, character in a movie while everyone else in the family is rocking. I love Waterboy. I actually so when I was um up in New Jersey for the the Tommy DeVito game versus the Patriots where they only put up ten points, Justin. Yep. We recorded in our our warehouse, and they had a bunch of Waterboy stuff. I took some home and it's it's truly great. And, that, and to me, it's not even for the hangover. It's just like, hey, if you didn't, you didn't get enough water in through the day, you start your day with it. It's amazing. And if you're someone who does have like struggling hangovers, the Water Boy is a hydration powder scientifically formulated to cut your hangover time in half. There are other hydration packs on the market, but nothing comes anywhere close to fighting those Sunday scaries like Waterboy. With zero sugar and over three times the electrolytes of liquid IV, your hangover will stand no chance. We're taking shots at the the competitors. For this season, our listeners will get 15% off your entire order with our exclusive link at waterboy.com slash giants. Inside each stick, there's ginger for that nausea and to make your tummy feel better. Make the best part about water, uh, maybe the best part about Waterboy is how amazing it tastes, which is true. They got good flavors. It's got good flavor. Their most popular flavors include strawberry, lemonade, lemon lime, which is my personal favorite, and blue raspberry, which is your favorite? Blue raspberry. You're going to actually want to drink these people. In fact, you might you might get too hydrated if you if if you uh, buy this stuff because you're going to like the flavor so much. You're just going to want to drink it more than everything else. So, uh, I love Water Boy and I use it all the time. I start every single not every single morning because I actually had to order some uh, some more because I went through it so quick. But I try and start every morning with some Water Boy. So, uh. Hundreds of thousands of people already trust Waterboy as their hangover cure. It's time to stop dealing with anxiety alone. For a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off discount with our link at waterboy.com slash giants. That's 15% off at waterboy.com forward slash giants. It's time to hydrate this holiday season. You'll be glad you did. Um, Despite missing couple throws. Tyrod Taylor still at a 70th percentile EPA per play. Um, Tommy DeVito had an 8th percentile EPA per play. Um, despite missing some throws, Tyrod Taylor had a 46th percentile CPOE, which again is not great. Um, and despite completing 69.2% of his passes, Tommy DeVito had a 16th percentile CPOE. And despite all, despite having an average up to target of one point three yards, which was in the zero the zero with the zero with percentile, Tyrod Ta- uh, Tommy DeVito somehow zero-ist. still had the z- zeroist somehow had a CPOE of almost minus ten, which I don't know how that's possible. So let's let's talk about their actual play and not just the the situation. Sure. So Tyrod's misses were the Saquon on the zero blitz, that's right? right? Yes. I actually go back and rewatch that play. I don't that's not a play where like he got the ball out. There's literally two guys screaming down his face and Saquon hasn't really turned around yet. That's a tough one. But the Waller one, like you said, you got you gotta have that one, right? I'm not saying you gotta lead it out in front of him to, you know, have all the yak in the world. But I think you gotta have the arm strength to just get that ball out there despite Hassan Reddick screaming down your neck. Um 
But there was some big play. I mean, you have the Juan Dale drop that was on there. And then the Darius Slayton play, right? Three catches, 90 yards of touchdown, cementing himself as the leading receiver, essentially, uh, for the fourth time in five years. And that was like a beautiful throw. You run that sale concept where it's it's high, mid, low. And Tyrod Taylor, like again, like a throw that he can make that DeVito can't, like, you know, floating backwards in the pocket to his left. Fires that in there with a beautiful ball, and then uh, you know Slayton's able to get some yak and and turn it into six. That was a beautiful ball. Uh, there was you know the even the you know the catch the throw to Waller to end the game. Like that's a that was a big time throw. Um, uh, the one Dale drop, and there was a couple other um, really good really good plays and just operation right. His ability to scramble for over twenty yards on his two scrambles. Uh, Tyrod Taylor for coming in with really no game planning for the Eagles and working as a scout team QB showed why he's made a good amount of money in the NFL. Yeah. I I think the run game is better when he's in there. I think if he's in there for the whole game, I think Saquon Barkley could have had a better day. I think Tyrod Taylor gets the ball to receive to the to the receivers. I think Slayton could have had a better day. I think Waller could have had a better day. Waller had his best game as a giant. Against Washington, the home Washington game, and that was you know the Darren Waller game. I think he could have had a you know a, a better game. Um, you know I'm not gonna say that the Giants maybe would they they have a better shot at winning if Tyrod Taylor's playing for the whole game. If Tyrod Taylor wasn't injury prone, Justin, I'd be saying bring him back. My my overall thoughts with this Giants team right now in this Giants offense. You know, it's been explosive plays, explosive plays for years now, But so I won't just talk about that. They need to get better on first down. It, it just so, it's same thing every single week, man, of watching this team of, all right, third and nine, third and 12, third and 14, third and seven, third and eight. It just every week, if one, one, two, three, third down, one, two, three, third down, one, two, like, you know, and Research Rick tweets it out that Peyton Manning talks all the time about first down, second down, first down. That's that's the step that this Giants offense needs to get at, where it's we're, we're not just running two plays to get to third down and then convert. You know, being better on first down, and whether that's through a running game, whether that's through a quick passing game, you know, they got a little bit better with it last year, but still Daniel Jones was one of the more effective quarterbacks on second down. Because they didn't really do much on first down when it wasn't really running the ball. So uh, that's my, I know it's kind of like big picture stuff, not really with this game. But you you, you do look at this game and how, you know, the Eagles were so good on third down. And it has a lot to do with they they can get to third and shorts. They can get to third and manageables. Even if they get to fourth and manageables, they just go for on fourth down. And the Giants, you know, the, these last couple weeks are like one, are like one for ten, one for eleven, one for twelve on third down. It's because they always just get into third and longs. Yeah, it's just they and they're wanting to run the ball, and they just can't run the ball very well. Obviously, this was probably one of the more efficient games, which is sad because Saquon only had three point seven yards per carry in this game, right? And you look at this game, like, hey, they actually were able to run the ball pretty well, right? Just because they weren't uh, creating a bunch of negatives. Um. And I think, uh, obviously, to me, that starts with the the run blocking up front, um, which has been been flat out flat out bad. And I just think they need a second blocking tight end so badly, right? Like you only have two tight ends active in this game, and they're put, doing this Mark Lewinsky shit. That shit needs to stop, right? Mark like Lewinsky's not a the, fullback. 
Second play of the game, they put them on the field. It's a negative. It's a negative loss, like you said, putting them in a third and long because they're like, okay, Glowinski's in. We can just power in. They did it again on a short yardage play. They were able to get a, a you know a negative one uh, uh, loss on that play. How many running backs and are active right now? Four. We have four running backs active, and Gary Brightwell's th- a twenty-one day window is open. How many? Um, how many of those running backs? So you have two running backs that are like legit, and Matt Breed and Saquon Barkley. Um. Does Gray Eric, and and Deshaun Corbin got zero snaps. Do do any of them return kicks or add like significant special teams value? No, they do. So why are there four? Not. Why are there four running backs on the roster where none of them provide special teams value, and you only ever use two of them? I actually want to see if Deshaun Corbin even gets any special team snaps. I mean, okay, sure that they could be a gunner or whatever. Like, right? right but you know. I, I want to see. I, I don't even know if Corbin gets that. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's been like a healthy and active. Like he's not even he's he's literally useless as long as say as long as the other three running backs are healthy. Obviously, you got to carry three, but Corbin's literally serving no purpose on this team right now. Yeah, so you have the huh. fourth and one conversion early in the game where finally we're not QB sneaking, we're not going out of the shotgun and then running hoping that we get a favorable box. We go under center and Saquon Barkley. It's a nice run, and then Daniel Bellinger has a nice block and it's first down. Like, all right, cool. And then you get the second fourth and one, and they try and do the same thing. And instead of a blocking tight end in there, you have Daniel Bellinger and Darius Slayton in the box trying to block people. And Hassan Reddick comes wide open, and he gets a tackle for loss. And I know maybe you want to talk more about that play. Well, yeah, it was like that four, that first fourth and down. I'm like, hell yeah, Daniel Bellinger. That was a great block. You, you created that first down. And then, you know, same series, fourth and one. They Hassan Reddick jumps into the the C gap, you know, before the snap, and Bellinger is just looking so far. He's just looking. He never even looks to his right. That like, okay, maybe someone moved into this gap. He never even looks, and then leaves that unblocked. But also, you have um, Darius Slayton lining up as a wide receiver when you could take a wide receiver off the field, have a blocking tight end, and that's another guy with his hand in the dirt that could account for a guy that's screaming down the line to. Get a tackle for loss. It, it, it's it's frustrating, man. It, it's for and it's like right writing on the wall. You could see it clear as day in training camp. It's like why, you know, why why are we trying to use Lawrence Cager as Darren Waller 2.0 when this isn't really real life? If Darren Waller goes down, you're not going to run the same offense here. And lo and behold, Darren Waller did go down this year. They did not use Lawrence Cager as Darren Waller 2.0, and now we have Mark Lewinsky as a fullback when he's never done that ever in his life. Well, it's just he's, there's no threat of him going out for a pass unless it's a trick play, right? Um, even it, even like you you would think it'd be a running advantage. It's not. It just no, because they sell not, out when they see Glowinski on the field. They sell out. Right. They just totally sell out on the run. Um, JMS fucked up on that stump, but I thought he held his own pretty well. Now they 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 kind of went. They put Jordan Davis on the field a lot more than they did their other defense tackles. I think it was like to try and stop the run. Um, and so not much of a pass rush threat there, but Andrew Thomas, uh, played really well. Uh, offensive line, like they only gave up one sack. It was that third and long where JMS got beat, right? And it wasn't even just stunned. JMS just got flat out beat, got beat to his shoulder. And you got, you got to move your feet quicker than that, JMS. You got to play more aggressive in your pass protection. Outside of that, they didn't give up many sacks. And it wasn't like, oh my gosh, they didn't have any sacks, but 
you know, they were under pressure and getting rid of the ball type of stuff. It's not like the 49ers game where you look at the sack number. Like, that's not bad, but they were just throwing the ball so quickly. That's not really what happened, especially with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he had the longest average depth of target in the NFL. And, you know, they weren't also scrambling for their lives either. You had three total scrambles, to uh, Tommy with one and Tyrod with two. I do want to talk about why DeVito was benched a little bit. I know you're probably sick of me here, but I wanted to go through some plays. He was just... He was simply afraid to throw the football in this game unless it was the, the screens, right? Like, he passed up multiple open guys and quick throws. Basically, was just working screen game versus off coverage, and it was that. And it's just simple. Like, they ran a zero blitz, and this was actually one of their better plays for Tommy DeVito was that little check down to Daniel Bellinger. And his eyes just go the completely wrong way on it, right? Where it's like, you see that blitz, your eyes need to go towards that blitz because that's where they're believing someone open. Didn't do that. Obviously, got scrambled to the left. You had a third and five pass uh, to Slayton where he's open, right? In route, open, 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 throw it, and he doesn't. He gets off of it because it's it's going to be not the easiest throw in the world. Checks it down the breeder. And then I think the one that really bothered them is a third and five. And they ran smash. And Waller is wide ass open on a corner route. Wide ass open. And he just doesn't throw it, scrambles to the right completion. Um, So I think those those are the reason why. Do you, ha- do you have anything else on... On this offense, right? I mean, Slayton, 90 yards, nice game for him. He's going to lead the team in receiving again. Um, basically hit on all of it, right? No targets for Hyatt. Yeah, I actually, he just struggles with press, man. He, he really, not even, I was saying he struggles with press, man, but he also struggles with uh, press, man. Got it. Um, I, I would have thought that. There would be more. It's tough with Tommy DeVito. I would have thought that there would be more of a conceded. We're gonna try and pick on Keely Ringo a little bit. No, he had the game ceiling interception, but that that was just a you know a, a hail mary, mary type of yeah. that's a hail mary type of throw to the end zone to end the game there. But I I, I don't know. I I didn't like. I couldn't see if Keely Ringo was like playing well or locking down. But you know James Bradbury is a good corner in this league and. Keely Ringo was a guy that we talked about in the draft being like, this guy's not really, he's a very unpolished, undisciplined corner. So I actually was excited to see at the start of the game that he was starting for the Eagles, that maybe there would be more of a concerted effort to pick on him. No. So I'm excited to see for your film review if if you come away with anything like that. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll clean that up. Why don't you talk to us about something and then we'll talk about the defense and Wink Martindale's comments to Pam all over. I'll talk to you about jackpot. Got it right on the pot and the jack. What would you do if you won? Drum roll, please. If you won won $638 million. Whoa. That's how much money I was going to win if Boston Scott scored a touchdown today. Well, that's the current Powerball jackpot, believe it or not. And today's sponsor, jackpot.com, lets you play the lottery right from your phone. You can play Mega Millions, Powerball, New York Lotto, and more. And there's no need to go and stand in line at the convenience store. All you have to do is download the jackpot.com lottery app. And it's live right now in New York, Texas, Ohio, and Massachusetts. I just used the jackpot jackpot.com lottery app and it was super super easy i need to make back the money that i lost because boston scott did not score a touchdown plus we have the sorry free... about that we we basically oh. we, we got thousands of people to bet that and it did not happen sorry I, I i'm actually genuinely sorry for being so strong about that 
I, I'm not convinced that the people didn't like, hey, let's let's end this Boston Scott thing. People are getting we're gonna lose money on this. But anyways. There's there's conspiracy going on. Uh, we have the hookup for a free ticket from Jackpot. All you have to do is use code Giants when you make a deposit. That means you have a chance to win, drumroll please, $638 million for free if you use code Giants in the Jackpot.com lottery app. So click the link below to download or go to Jackpot.com. Make sure you use code Giants at checkout. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Um... Who did the talking? Did you do this? Guess who only losses to for the yeah, Lamar I Jackson? Just, thing? I just did that. Okay, I was like, that's. It's like I don't want to check anyone besides me and you to know that. Um, good memory. Thank you. Giants defense. I want to give you some numbers, and then we'll talk about Wink Martindale's quote. Gave up 465 yards, eight for 15 on third down, two for two on fourth down. Uh, you say, well, the turnovers, the two turnovers, one special team one, uh, where Boston Scott fumbled it. And the other one, Goddard, slipped on an RPO and Adoree returned it for six. Their running backs averaged five point yards per carry on 27 carries. Um, you gave up multiple big plays. They scored, they scored on seven of 10 drives. You didn't really come get aggressive on them. Justin, did you hear what Wink said to Pam Oliver? Yeah, let's, let's review it though and let's break it down piece by piece. So basically, like, yeah, we we kind of know, right? The Giants need, when their wins are off of the turnovers, right? That is how they not you know a hundred percent true. Especially the you know the Patriots game, you know the Commanders game got some turnovers in there. Uh, they've they've had to live off turnovers to win games, uh, and that's what led to the three game winning streak. Basically said to Pam Oliver, right? Like talking to media, right? And at, since the Jay Glazer report, Wink Martindale has done nothing. To didn't like to say, oh no, me and Dable are fine, right? Dable tried to quiet down with the only thing we argue about is the last slice of pizza. Wink basically admitted it without actually like saying, yeah, we're really pissed off at each other. Says the Pan Mollifer, like, yeah, it's it's tough, but it's a challenge for our defense that you know we we talk about. It. We have to outperform the other team's offense and their defense. Basically saying like this offense is dog shit, which is. Which is true. Did he say defense or special teams? Or did he say all three? He, he did mention special teams in there, too. I, I Actually, I bookmarked it, so I can just play it. Um, let me Yeah, let me just play it for the people. He mentioned something about special teams, I'm pretty sure. To understand for now, with their struggles on offense, whatever the team's success may be based on production from Wink Martindale's defense. He affirmed that saying, it's something you got to talk about. You can see it, he said. He said players need to embrace the challenge of what he said was the need to outplay the opponent's offense and their defense. Oh, no special teams. Giants understand for No, and we'll talk about special teams in this podcast because it's what you guys love to hear about. Um, and it's not even me being Matt Thomas McGahey either, which is a little bit of a curveball for our special team segments. Um, we're gonna find out for real in two weeks from now, Justin. But there, there, there's, there's got to be issues, and I, I'm just, I really wonder if this thing can be figured out. I'm way more, and I know you agree with this. I'm way more concerned with. How Dable deals with his coordinators and how uh, not how Dable deals with his coordinators because Wink Martindale is a successful defense coordinator. 
way more concerned about this storyline than, oh, if they caved to the fan pressure and they caved to the fan whatever with Tommy DeVito and blah, 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 blah. This has been, since that Jay Glazer report, this has been the thing that has been most pressing on my mind about the New York Giants than anything else, than wins, than losses, than anything. Trying to keep a good, positive thing in, D- in Wink Martindale and defensive coordinator in the building. After these last two games, a response to that would be like, well, we got to stop acting like Wink Martindale is something amazing. What do you think about that? The offense doesn't do anything. I agree. I agree. Now, defense, I don't think played well at all in this game. No. Uh, Eagles are was... also a lot more talented, man. Agreed. And the, what, what you ask, what you ask your defense to do is to keep you in games. And it is so difficult unless you have a top end defense. Or I was even going to bring up like the Cleveland Browns, but the Cleveland Browns at times allow these big stinkers of 30 and 40 point games. Like the, it is so tough to play sustainable week in, week out, good, good defense, unless you have all pros at all levels. And breaking news, Giants, Giants, like we don't have an all pro at all levels, at all levels. Uh, you know, Bobby Okereke may be close to it. He's not an all pro. Dex is the all pro. Where's that all pro in the secondary? Not there. There's not, there's not all pro, all pro players throughout this defense. And the fact that Wink They've and the defense has been so good forcing these turnovers, which they didn't do last year. I think it's tough to come by to get a defense coordinator that could be this stable and this good for you. And it's so tough to play good top end defense. And without a good offense in today's NFL, it is really impossible to play elite defense week in and week out. It is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like you said, in a game where you are outclassed at every position across the board, right? besides the Eagles running backs versus the Giants linebackers, you know, in any positional matchup, the Eagles are are outclassed. The offensive line is much better than the Giants uh, front. Their receivers are much better than our DBs. Their tight end is better than our safety. You know, Goddard has owned McKinney. Um, Their quarterback is obviously better than, you know, the coverages and stuff you're throwing at them. Um, And then, hey, and even then, like you would talk about, like, yeah, I would rather have Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden and Simmons as my linebacker core than DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell as my running back group, but they're able to run the ball really well. So I agree, but I did want to throw that out there to talk about that. I was like, you can't, now again, I'm, I'm pissed off of the way he played the Saints, but to me, I, you know, when I was shitting on wing for the Saints, I had people being like, well, he never adjusts. Like, no, that, he adjusted. That, that's the issue. He adjusted for some reason in this Saints game. Um, but I do have worries that Wink, as the season gets along and starts playing better QBs, he does play a little softer. You even saw it in Baltimore a little bit, right? Like one of the first games when we hired Wink, I went and watched that Baltimore, that Bills game, and they played well in that game. But it's like, man, you didn't really send blitzes in this game. Now, now defense is much more Jimmys and Joes than X's and O's uh, than offense, right? So if you get the guys in here and you build you know, like you said, get all pros, get great players, get really good players, get, you know, nickel corners that can play the run, get corners that can play the run. It'll look a lot better. But I was, a, I was a little frustrated on some of the third downs in this game, fourth downs where you're, I mean, you're third and 20 and you give up a 32 yard pass to AJ Brown and, and you're, you're rushing four, right. And you're just sitting back in zone like, well, they're going to, they're going to, you know, play on that. And then the Devontae Smith touchdown, you rush three. And then you put flawed and man on Devontae Smith. He gets cooked, obviously. And then the three guys you have rushing the passer are Timmy Horn, Jordan Riley, and Ashawn Robinson. Like, that's not a, 
a path to success. Um, you know, you had fourth and five where, you know, you have guys playing off and they just run a little, you know, six yard hitch and they're able to get a first down. Yeah, that's so, the, that was a frustrating one to me is that you're, you're, I'll never understand that in the NFL, especially when it's fourth down and it's do or die. It's not even third down where it's like, all right, well, maybe it's a fourth and two and you have the option to go for it or you don't. It's fourth and five. It's do or die. You have guys lining up 10 yards off the ball. That That's that's the one where it, it, it bothers you. Yeah, and you could say, well, they at least get turnovers. Well, the, the turnovers in this game was one was the special teams. And then if Dallas Goddard, who funny story about Dallas Goddard. Yeah, funny story about him. Sucker punched him in South Dakota. If he doesn't slip, if he didn't slip like he had just gotten punched in the face in a uh, slippery bar, well, then there's no pick six for Adore Jackson. Yeah, but it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm saying like that's not like good defense. I mean, that's not like great. Adore would have been there to make a play. Yeah, they would have had to stop, but that's they don't have the pick six turnover. Right, right, but it happened. I mean, that's 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 my counterpoint is that hey, you know, guys are gonna slip. You know how how many how many tipped passes have gone for pick sixes for the Giants towards the early part of the year? It's it's shit shit like that is gonna happen. You you gotta. You know, this is a game of lucky bounces too, and if you're on the other end of it and you're in a good spot to make a play, then that's then that's a good thing, in, in my opinion. And those those the Giants defense have been a part of those good bounces this year and those positive results, way more than the Giants offense. And the Giants offense is way way behind in the positive plays and the positive contributions and what Wink Martindale's defense has done. Yeah, did it look bad against the Eagles who are? Way more talented, and I don't care. There's concerns about the Eagles. There are major, major concerns for the Philadelphia Eagles about this game. Hey, my my NFL talking point, my NFL brain, you know, not just talking Giants. I'm not coming away from this game impressed by the Giants. I'm coming away from this game really fucking concerned about where the Philadelphia Eagles are, and they easily feel like a wild card exit from whatever team that they play. Um, they're not even going to play a team from the NFC South unless they make a wild card, unless they play like an NFC South team. Um, they, they're they're going to get the number one seed because the 49ers just lost. They might That's get the so Seahawks crazy. again. That's so crazy. Um, anyway, way more concerned about the Eagles this game than, than the Giants. But uh, again, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going in circles. Wink Martindale needs to stay, but I don't think he will. And that is a... That's a really bad look on Brian Dable, in my opinion. Yeah, two weeks. Well, we will know for sure in two weeks, um, which is going to be crazy to think about. Um, need to watch film, but to see how they were playing AJ Brown. But they had Deontay Banks on AJ Brown all game before he got injured, obviously. And he only gave up two catches, right? Got beat a few times on Crow Rouse, which does tell me that they're playing him pretty often and bailing. But still, like, you didn't give them an easy outlet or option to get, you know, some free yards type of off coverage versus Banks. I, that is, you know, what, what am I looking for in film? Like, that might be first thing I'm doing is I'm scrubbing through to see. I, I want to watch every Deontay Banks play in coverage, like, closely. Like, did did the stats, did the broadcast match a guy who was, you know, stopping them from attacking with A.J. Brown, who, again, we, we've talked about was, you know, on pace to – you know, uh, you know, almost close to that Calvin Johnson record. Now, when, when, and you see when Banks went down, you saw AJ Brown start to put up some numbers. I mean, what were, you know, he had two catches for 15 yards on Deontay Banks, and then Banks goes down. What did he have after that? You had him beat Adore on that little dig route. He had four catches for 
65 yards in the other in the other parts of the game. So obviously Banks had to be doing something halfway decent in that game. In this game, Dallas Goddard has kind of killed Xavier McKinney in back-to-back games, but he did have that force incompletion in the third and goal at the red zone. Um, what do you think of the pass rush from the edge? Dex had some good plays, but snap count. They need to upgrade at edge badly. Yeah, badly. they really do. You didn't really hear anything from Kayvon or Aziz in this game. No, Kayvon had a QB hit. Um, that's basically... The- Kurt's blocking him is a is a it's a tough position for NFL players because if you just demolish him, you might get in trouble. But at the same time, if like you kind of got to take advantage of that and just I feel like he should have I feel like he should have been in a spot to possibly make that play without Hurts even getting in a position to block him. Like you got to keep your head on a swivel at all times if you want to be that dude. And I'm kind of just convinced that at least at least in this week, I, I know he's had a really good year. I know he has double digit sacks. I, I just I just don't see a player that dominates down in down out. I'm well, sorry. No, he's not. But you would hope that he you know he's shown a lot of good things on film this yeah. year too, and continue to grow off of that. Like he's not a he's not a player who does that. Yeah, but you just they need get- to upgrade at edge, and you know hopefully that will help. Hopefully that helps a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau. Hopefully. Adding another interior guy. Sean Robinson's been good, but hopefully adding another interior guy, whether it be via free agency or the draft, you know, hopefully that can help cave on Thibodeau. They they there's a lot of work that this they need to do on this on this front on this front line. Really. Even if Kayvon was playing like just dominant, I still think Edge would be a huge priority. Oh for yeah, one hundred percent. And Aziz Ojolari, with the injuries and not looking like he did last year when he's been healthy. I wonder, and maybe this could be an off-season mailbag. I wonder, you know, before free agency, I wonder if there's like any trade value for Aziz, right? Because there's a lot of good film, there's some good metrics, but the injuries, you know, he was healthy. The final how many games of the season? Yeah, would a team convince themselves to like part ways with a fourth-round pick or something for Aziz? Um, What's you know what's going to be a fun off-season project? Remember, I did this in 2020. I compiled Leonard Williams QB hits. QB hits sacks and pressures, and I said, "All right, that's a per- that's the X amount of percentage of the team. Maybe I'll compile Kayvon and Dex's QB hits, pressures, and sacks, and then look at every single other edge rusher that took a snap for the Giants this year. So the Aziz, Jihad Board, Timon Fox, um, your guy ben Whitley, ben Boogie Whitley. Basham." Boogie Basham. Timon comp- Fox looks a lot bigger in number 50 and 94 compared to 49. Threw me off. Really threw me off. I thought it was Ellerson. Well, Ellerson Smith's not big. Um, I'm going to compile all those other stats from all those edge rushers that took a, at least one snap for the Giants this year and then compare from two players versus all those other snaps combined and see and see what, what we're getting because that, that's, that was a fun exercise from 2020. Do it again. Um, I want to talk about this on the mailbag a little bit. McFadden lost some snaps to Simmons, which we had like we've seen him come off on third down, but there was like a series where Simmons just played over him, and then the next series McFadden comes in and has that tackle. He he didn't get credit with the tackle for loss. Uh, Dex did, but created a negative five yard loss. I would love Simmons so much more. He's had a lot of negative plays this year. Not a lot. He's had some negative plays this year, and he can't make 
the tackle and he can't finish a play. It, no, it, he can't it finish bothers tackles. me. I would love I would love him so much more, and I think like there would I would actually feel more inclined if he finished those plays. I'd be like, yeah, why not? Let's continue to bring this cat back. But if he's not finishing those plays, and he, you know, yeah, I I don't expect him to make that one handed interception. But if he did, that's that's a tutty. That's seven points for the Giants. That was a nice play anyway to even to even get a hand on that ball. But there's been he plenty of the, plays. The Boston Scott fumble, kinda. Yeah, there's been plenty the- of plays this year where he's had guys like in the backfield or at the line, and he just can't finish and wrap up. And we, it's funny how you know, you talked about that. You know, him him coming in anyway. That was like part of his uh, issue in Arizona. Yeah, so let's talk about this Jamie Gilliam thing, and I'm not mad at Thomas McGahee yeah. on this. But do you want to talk about something before we talk about special teams? Actually, yeah, let's talk about before we talk about our punter. Let's talk about Copilot. Copilot is a personalized fitness solution. Every individual is unique, so your fitness journey should be too. And guess what? Maybe if this happens, you you won't get injured from kicking things. Copilot's app links you with an affordable real-life fitness coach who customizes workouts tailored to your individual needs and goals. So I talked with mine, right? He's yeah. got me set up. Uh, and I'm like, hey, my schedule's kind of fucking crazy. Like Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I'm essentially working like 12 to 13 hours and like you know, late. Can I, can I, can we fit this in? How does this work? He's like, cool. We're going to backload it on the end of the week. We got to get one in on the beginning of the week. So it's like really knows how to get the most out of you. And it's cont- uh, always pushing you completely personalized workouts with step-by-step guidance. Your coach will continuously update every workout to help you reach your goals. Workout pan- plans tailored by your coach to be enjoyable and effective, regular progress check-ins, support and guidance. Workout programs designed around your specific lifestyle, like I was talking about. Ability to work out your convenience with or without a gym. I'd love for you to follow my lead to get fit and feel fabulous. Give Copilot a try to find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top-rated personal trainer app of 2023. Head to mycopilot.com slash giants to get a 14-day free trial and 20% off your first month of personalized fitness with your own personal trainer if you sign up before February 1st, 2024. That's mycopilot.com slash giants to get a free 14-day trial and 20% off your first month. Sign up for the uh, for 2024, the new year, and let Copilot help you reach your fitness goals. You'll be glad you did. They did the same exact thing as the Graham Gano. Where they're like, you know, was put on the injury report, report, was noticeably struggling, uh, before the game in warmups and, and Pam Oliver said, yeah, he was noticeably limping, noticeably struggling. And then I talked to Thomas McGahey and said, no, he's got it wrapped. He's going to be fine. And he sucks. Um, it was, it was like, it was the exact same thing as the Graham Gano thing where it's like, okay, before the game, oh, this guy's injured and it's noticeable and it's bothering him. And they're like, nah, he's fine. And then it costs them points. Is right? he like they IR got their today? first touchdown off of a 12 yard drive. Is he That's put a on Brian IR Dable today? thing. Huh? Is he put on IR today? That would be the Graham Gano timeline. Oh, he's fine. He's fine. Breaking um, news. Breaking news. Graham Gano is not fine. Next day, IR. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to, right? Or at least give him the week off or something and p- pull somebody in. Like, you at least work out punters, have a punter backup plan. And, like, you're going to at least have to work guys out. But it's, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is the exact same thing that happened with Graham Gano, where they said he's fine. That's to me. And I'm not mad at McGahee for that. I'm, I'm mad at Brian Dable for that. Do you know uh, who uh, the MVP from the game? 
What does that mean? Who's the MVP from the Giants-Eagles game? DeAndre Swift? I don't know. Number 21, Mason Crosby. Oh, I thought you were talking about like the actual MVP no, of the game. No, He looked good in that 21. And that was his first kick made for a uh, team, not the Packers, because it was with, when he was with the Rams, he didn't make a kick. Um, very, very weird seeing a number 21 kicking the ball. Like, number 21 just looks great in the, in the Giants jersey, right? Obviously, Tiki, Pep, Landon Collins. So, you've had some – it just looks – it's a great number in the Giants jersey for some reason. Um, and then Mason Crosby, like, sporting it. You want to know what I learned? Yarder. You want to know what I learned today? I never want to sign another kicker to a contract extension. You want to shit yourself? You want you want to you want to shit yourself? Graham Gano's cap number next year is seven point two million dollars. We have nine point seven million dollars in dead money, and there's no cap saving. Like cap saving is two point five million in the red. So Graham Gano is on the roster next year. And this isn't to say that Graham Gano's bad and Graham Gano's an issue. Well, I think he's really just, good. He's just injured. I think this should Hopefully he's going to be good. He wasn't that he wasn't that good this year. But he was injured. I'm of the I, I don't think any kicker. I don't think anybody on special teams should have a cap hit of 7.2 million dollars. And then that's that's 3% of the cap. And even 2025 like there's it's the money's like weird. Where it, it clears you, it never extend kickers. I am team never extend kickers. Have kickers that are on one year deals. If the kicker's hot, great, extend them by a year. Um, if the kicker's cold, cut them, get them out, get somebody else in. That's what I learned this year because Fat Randy and Mason Crosby are just fine. Um. That's what I learned. I mean, Graham Gano has, re- has been really damn good for the New York Giants, right? Like seven million dollars. Wor- that's worth it. Well, that's because they moved money around from the last contract he got from the Giants. That's crazy. Team never pay kickers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big kicker contract—three or sixteen and a half million dollars. Um, so I, I guess I somewhat agree, but he was really. I mean, has there been, who who who's been a better kicker for the Giants in Giants history? And and that's and the but the point is is that it can so easily stop. You know, we we, we were saving saying it with like Rosas. Rosas was really good for the year, and well, then Rosas I think had that they, one good year in the NFL, right? But then they but then they extend him, and then it's like all right, well then he goes cold, and I feel like that can that happens so much in the NFL, where kickers just go cold, and then you're stuck with them if you, if they're on a deal. That's my special teams talking point. Yeah, hopefully kickers don't get injured, right? Um, provenly good, really good kickers. Um, but uh, kickers don't matter. Well, I guess we're starting that new movement. Oh, yeah. uh, we're on the fan tomorrow at 3.30. Check us out. Uh, that's an episode. Don't want to go over an hour. So truly do appreciate you guys. We will see you on Thursday for a mailbag because we played on a damn Monday again. Um, Thursday mailbag, Friday preview. Uh, and then Monday, la- maybe the last recap show of the week we'll, uh, season, we'll talk about it. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.